are listening to audio from Emmanuel Church in Birmingham, Alabama. For more resources like this one, go to EmmanuelBirmingham.com. We have the privilege uh, this morning of hearing from uh, Justin Carl, and uh, Justin is the pastor at Citizens Church, and so many of you may remember uh, a number of months ago as they were preparing to launch uh, Citizens Church. Justin preached for us in our um, old space, and so they gather um, over in the East Lake area, um, and they're also a Harbor Network church, and so Justin, we're eager to hear from you this morning. So church, I just ask that you would hear from him with a receptive and, and humble heart. I'm going to read the text from Luke 19, so it's Luke 19, verses 1 through 10. Um, if you want to flip there, and then uh, Justin will eagerly um, await to hear from you and, and from the Lord. Um, after I read this, Luke 19, beginning in verse 1. He entered Jericho and was passing through, and there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. He was seeking to see who Jesus was, but on account of the crowd, he could not because he was of small stature. So he ran on ahead and climbed into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was about to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all grumbled. He who has gone in, he has gone in to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, since he is also a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Come on, Justin. Thank you. Amen. Thank you, Buster. Absolutely. Hey, y'all. Buster let you get away with it. But, man, if the joy of the Lord is our strength, good morning, church. Amen, amen. Hey, I'm so delighted to be with y'all. It was about two years to the day that I got to preach here in your Proverbs series at your old facility, and that was my first time ever actually preaching in Birmingham. It was a special morning as we had our tiny core team gathered there to worship with y'all, and thank you so much as you shared your facility generously with us right before the pandemic and the months leading up as we were preparing and learning how to host a worship setting where we invited our public, our friends in. So thank you. You'll hold a special place in my heart and in the church family of citizens' heart. I'm just so thankful for your leaders, how they love the gospel, and that their love for the Lord and other people is so evident. And thus, I'm very thankful for y'all. I'm going to pray for us, and then we are going to jump right in. And I pray to this end that we would see the great power of the gospel that Jesus finds us, that Jesus changes us, and Jesus bids us come and follow him, that we may have truly have life. Let me pray. Lord, Father God, I ask that you come and give us strength and power. Lord, help us see the goodness of the gospel today. Help us see it in Zacchaeus' story and see that Zacchaeus' story is our story in so many ways. Lord, you are a good God. Bless and be with Emmanuel. I'm so thankful for them. Christ, I pray. Amen. Hey, if you follow Jesus through the gospel, you see he meets all these very sympathetic characters. 
There's people who are dying. There's people who are concerned over their kids dying. There's all these people who have been marginalized because they're, maybe they're women or from a different ethnic group or different things. They, all these people have this idea of like, man, what is God going to do to this person who's hurting, this person who feels lost, this pe- person who feels like a stranger? And over and over, just like John Tavius showed us in Luke 7, God comes to these sympathetic characters and gives them the love and grace that the world has denied them. But not in this text, at least not at first, because we meet Zacchaeus, and Zacchaeus is not a sympathetic character, at least at first. Zacchaeus is a terrible person. Zacchaeus might be the most terrible person you're going to meet in the Gospels. Look with me what we learn just in verses 1 and 2. It says, Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. Jesus is going to Jerusalem. This is his last stop before he hits Jerusalem. And a man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. And he was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. See, Jericho was a very important city, not just biblically, but it was the treasury house for the Roman Empire. This would be the head of the IRS for the region. And the head of the IRS for them was Zacchaeus. And think, IRS not as troubling to us through multiple confusing forms. This is IRS troubling that a squadron of foreign men with swords would come into your house and shake you down and do as they please to take what they want and then take over that to pay themselves out and then take over that to pay off everyone they need to pay off and shake down your house month after month, year after year, crushing you under the foot of Roman oppression. We don't think about it, and that means that there was a literal state over the Jewish state pressing down on them all the time with their rules, their laws, soldiers all around, and they would recruit men like Zacchaeus, who spoke the local dialect, Aramaic, who knew everyone's business and side business, knew where everyone lived, and said, Zacchaeus, will you show us how much everyone really makes? Zacchaeus, would you show us everywhere they keep their money and jewels? Zacchaeus, would you make sure Rome gets its cut for its ever-expanding empire through Europe and North Africa? Zacchaeus, will you turn on your own blood, your own families, the people you grew up with? Would you show us every nook and cranny and recruit men just like you to do the same? When it says tax collectors were hated, the Bible means it. The Jewish people couldn't think of a bigger traitor that would go work for the pagans who worshipped Caesar, a human king, that worshipped pagan gods to oppress God's people in their own homes. And when we hear that Zacchaeus is wealthy, it's because he's too good at his job. He's lying in his own pockets lying in the pockets of everybody else who works for him, which means there's a degree of ruthlessness and greediness inherited in a man who's worked his way over years all the way to the top of the ladder. And here he is in Jericho, the king of the castle, probably the baddest man we're going to meet in all the Gospels. Yet Zacchaeus wants to see Jesus. Look at verse 3 and 4 with me. It says he wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead 
and climbed a sycamore fig tree, just like we have here in Alabama, to see him since Jesus was coming that way. And you might think, why does this terrible man want to see Jesus? Well, who wouldn't want to see Jesus? In Luke 4, we got fish jumping into a boat. Nets are breaking. People's economic haul around Jesus is absolutely explosive. We think it's cool when someone wins the lotto. So did they. Luke 7, he raised a widow's son from the dead. Luke 7, he also forgave a prostitute's sins, just like John Tavius told us. In Luke 8, he speaks to the wind and the waves and calms a storm like that on the local lake. Jesus was famous, and Zacchaeus wanted to see who he was. Is it true? This man stops winds, forgives sins, raises the dead, and makes the fish jump into nets? Who is this Jesus? But he has a problem. Zacchaeus is short. And apparently the crowd isn't budging for this wicked man. The locals want no peace of old Zacchaeus. He can't see over the crowds. And apparently he can't see over them so much that a stool won't do. And he needs to climb an actual tree. Now think about this. If he's the chief tax collector, he is not any young man. This is a man who's been working and working and working. This would be seeing like your grandpa getting up in a tree to go take a look at something. There is a level of strangeness about this story that he's that eager to get his shot to see the face of this Jesus. Look with me in verse 5, what happens next. Jesus is always seeing this Zacchaeus. When Jesus reached the spot, notice it's the spot. He looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down. Hit me with that next, next verse, my friend. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, he's gone into the house of a sinner. Zacchaeus wants to see Jesus, but it's Jesus who's always been seeking Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus thinks he's going to get a peek at God, but there's been a God who's always seen Zacchaeus, who knows his whole story. And Jesus calls him by name. And we can miss the power of this because all the people in this town knew who Zacchaeus was, but they knew him to fear him. They knew him as evil. They knew him as the big problem in the town. But Jesus knows his name because he's coming to find him. See, Jesus has always seen Zacchaeus on his best days and what has been a lot of worse days. And this matters because I left out a key detail in describing Zacchaeus. People have probably chosen not to see Zacchaeus, not to know him, to ignore him, and to marginalize Zacchaeus because of his whole life. It's not just that he's a tax collector. See, the text says that Zacchaeus was short. So short they couldn't see over the crowds. So short that no one wanted to let him through. So short that the Greek is actually Haleka Mikros which could mean real short, but it also could mean the condition of dwarfism in the wider Greek world, or as we would describe a little person today. 
And when we realized he was that short that tippy toes and a stool wouldn't do and that no one would let him to the front. And remember, these were just crowds of people. That means little children. It isn't like a group of NBA players that are so tall. They are average people and he has no shot to see Jesus. It starts to impress how genuinely short he was. And we learn in verse 7 that the crowd recoils at the very thought that Jesus would eat with them. And we see this crowd isn't like made up of all judgmental Pharisees. These are just everyday people who want salvation too. And they can't even bear the thought that Jesus would dine with this man. They won't let him through. He can't see over the crowd. And we start to get a picture that this man, whether he was an actual little person or not, has probably been left out his whole life. See, little people were treated differently then than today. They were treated much worse. The Romans thought as children they shouldn't be fed, that they shouldn't be educated, that they should be left out. Greek culture was no better. They often assigned uh, perversions to them and ascribed them to pagan gods, sent them off to temples for who knows what. And Jewish culture was no different. They'd taken people with any deformity or physical irregularity and said they must be accursed. They didn't want to have anything to do with them. So you start to see a picture of Zacchaeus' life from a little kid to now. It's not been a pleasant one. We start to see in Zacchaeus' life a picture that looks a little bit more like a villain origin story in a Marvel comic than just a greedy guy. Zacchaeus has likely been an outsider in Jericho long before he became a terrible outcast as a tax collector. It's probably why the job appealed to him. Finally, he could be the bully. Finally, he could get respect, even if he had to pay with it for blood of his own kinsmen. See, the evil done to us often shapes us. Our shame tends to rot us from the inside out. It tends to make us monsters when sin is left unchecked in a human soul. And Zacchaeus' sins are still his. He still did these things and climbed to the top and betrayed his people. But the grace of Jesus is this, that Jesus looks monsters in the eye and calls them by their real name. And when Jesus looks at that tree and says, Zacchaeus, come out of the tree. I'm dining in your house today. Jesus doesn't fear him. Jesus doesn't ostracize him. Jesus doesn't treat him as an outcast. Instead, Jesus starts the relationship saying, do you want to be an insider to my kingdom? Because my gospel is the gospel who takes those on the outside and brings them right to the center of the table with me forever and ever more. Jesus calls and we see Zacchaeus jumps down with joy. He wanted a glimpse of Jesus and now he finds himself dining with God himself. The crowd doesn't matter to Jesus. He don't care what they're muttering. The crowd doesn't even matter to Zacchaeus. He doesn't care what they're saying. They're angry at God's salvation at work, and the crowd could not be more wrong. 
This is the man, the big bad, the person who oppresses them, the one who ignores God's laws, is suddenly obeying God's laws and listening to Jesus. They should be dancing that the salvation they seek is actually at work in this man, but they can't see it. Whether it's because he was a tax collector or whether it's because they have thoughts about little people or whatever it is, they can't see the miracle for Jericho is happening in their midst and they're muttering, what is this Jesus doing? We're the people who deserve salvation, not him. And if you want to know what salvation's like, it's like that. God doesn't save us because we're good people. God doesn't save us because we're better than someone else. God saves bad, ill-deserving people with his glorious grace. And that's good news for you, me, I, everyone around us. I need a God who saves me, not because I do good things, but because he's a glorious God and calls me out of the tree of my own shame. So many Christians live their life stuck in a tree over whatever issue. Instead of hearing that your gentle name being called and say, come on down and let's talk about that. I got dinner ready for you. In fact, I want to eat it at your house. Jesus wants to dine with you instead of keep you in the tree of your own shame. See, Jesus is this God. He delights in seeking finding and making us come alive to follow him. Jesus delights in taking outcasts and making them insiders. And to eat with someone in their culture means you and I are friends. See, imagine a world where there were no security systems. There's no reliable police force in any way. The laws are up to whatever judge and change all the time. It was a world that was so very vulnerable. When you're in your home and someone broke in, things were going to go badly. So much so in a city like Jericho, you would even keep your your name and address kind of detached from each other, where no one would actually know where you lived except your family and your close friends who you'd have over. You'd make sure you weren't followed on the way home because you didn't actually want to know where you were unless they were a trusted friend. A lot of times you would seal business deals in Jewish culture by having them over to your home finally and saying, hey, you know where I live. You know I'm going to be good for this business deal because you know where to find me. This is where my kids sleep. And that's the level of intimacy Jesus invites them into. They go and eat. And eating with Zacchaeus changes everything for Zacchaeus. Jesus rewrites this man's long, painful story in a moment. Look at verse 8 through 10. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half my possessions to the poor. And if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house because this man, too, is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. To be clear, church, Zacchaeus isn't buying his salvation. God ain't poor. Jesus don't need this man's money. But Jesus' salvation changes Zacchaeus. When he gives away half of what he owns, even though he's a wealthy man, half is a lot, and then as a robber to pay back four times the amount he stole from anyone shows he's obeying Exodus 22, verse 1. It said if a thief repents, he should pay back four times to the owner. Suddenly this man who knew apparently God's law is down to obey it and obey it immediately without prompting from Jesus because he's 
met God. And you don't have to be a math major or Dave Ramsey to figure out if you give away half of what you own and you've robbed a ton of people and pay them back four times, it's going to leave you with about zero dollars. Zacchaeus the greedy, Zacchaeus the wealthy, Zacchaeus the evil, the Zacchaeus the status seeker, Zacchaeus, I'm going to get all these people back who oppressed me and bullied me in school, is now gone for broke for Jesus. All of his idols seem small. He doesn't want to serve them anymore. He sees that money never made him happy. He didn't get him out of the tree anyways. So he willingly gives all he has away over dinner to go for broke with Jesus. Jesus has effectively wrecked Zacchaeus' sinful plans, his selfish life, and Zacchaeus doesn't even care because, church, when you belong to Jesus, you're finally free. You don't have to justify your life. You don't have to get the high school bully back. You are free. Free to what? To follow Jesus to follow his law, to follow his word. It's not a freedom unto ourselves just to do as we wish, but finally we can do as we can and serve the God of the universe who loves us and died for us. Jesus is the one who gives freedom. This man who never belonged in his life suddenly belongs at the table with God, not because of the good he's done, but because the greatness of Jesus and his salvation is changing him right as they eat their fish and bread. See, Jesus never misspeaks. Look how that perfect phrase is. It says, salvation has come to Zacchaeus' house, a son of Abraham. This guy was the guy in the crowds. They shouted, don't go near. And Jesus says, no, he's a son of Abraham. He's an insider of insiders now to me. He belongs within the heart of this Jewish family, this family that God created with Abraham. He's saved and he belongs and he belongs with me. And Jesus eats with Zacchaeus because Zacchaeus has come home to Jesus today. And he's going to come home to Jesus eternally. He belongs then, now, and forevermore. The, Jesus is telling us the guy you left out and the guy you counted out, the guy you hated. My love changes those so, sorts of folks all the time. And if I can save Zacchaeus, I can save you too, Jericho. Your sins aren't so big if the biggest sinner you know got saved in an instant. No one is too far. No one is too lost for a Jesus who seeks and saves the lost. Jesus meets us where we are, no matter our sins, no matter our story, no matter our shame. But Jesus loves us too much to leave us there. See, the grace of Jesus comes to us and changes us. If it doesn't change us, it's not come to us. God's grace is effective. It changes us from start to end. It realigns our life. It delivers us from the dominion of darkness to the kingdom of light. And Zacchaeus has seen the light. And his life is changing over a table with a guy he just met, the God of the universe. Jesus' change from the inside out makes us want to right our wrongs. It makes us want to obey everything we learn from the Bible. That's why discipleship is so important. We must learn what's in the Bible in order to obey. We apologize. We forgive. We repay the wrongs we've done. We drop our grudges. We drop our pride. We drop our racism, our sexism, our classism. The things that make us hurt and bully others, we suddenly let go. And we drop our career if it's wicked like Zacchaeus. We would walk away from our, our livelihoods. 
Simply those who Jesus truly finds truly follow the Lord. They're no longer the leader of their lives. Jesus doesn't follow us around. We follow him as the king of the universe. And Jesus has always been coming after you, church. There's a popular phrase of running hard after Jesus. The problem with that phrase is it's just not in the Bible. Instead, we find a Jesus that runs hard after us. Look at verse 10. It says, the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. Do you believe, church, that Jesus is actually running after you? That Jesus isn't playing hide and seek? Jesus isn't hiding in any trees. Jesus isn't trying to get through the crowd to you. But instead, Jesus stands with open arms for everyone at Emmanuel Church, whether it's for salvation or anything. Jesus wants to dine with you today, church. He comes to seek and save the lost. He longs to heal every single part of you from the inside out every part of your story, every problem in your life. Not that we lived a, bliss, a blissful life here with no suffering. No, that's not true. But that God heals us now and points us to a new direction to be in his arms forevermore. Every time we eat in this life, whether it's communion or a real meal, it's an opportunity to reflect that Jesus wants that intimacy with you. Not sometimes, not on the mountaintops, but every day of your life. Jesus is came for you, church, and Jesus is still coming for you. Jesus wrecks our plans to give us true life. He calls us to change us. Let us pray. Lord, Father God, we love you and we trust you. May your face shine upon us. There is no one like you in the heavens above or the earth below. Lord, all things obey you. Lord, may we obey you. May we obey you with our whole heart, with our whole mind, with our whole spirit, with our whole life, our strength. Lord, may we come out of the truth with things that we think you don't care about, things that still stick with us, with hurts of words set against us. Lord, be with us. Grow us. Change us. Help us wrestle with the idea that you're not hiding, that you're coming for us, seeking us, finding us, changing us. Christ, we pray. Amen. This has been a sermon from Emmanuel Church. To learn more about Emmanuel or to give, go to Emmanuel with an I, Birmingham.com. You can also follow us on Facebook or Instagram at Emmanuel Birmingham. <laughs>